Welcome to Future of XYZ. I'm your host, Lisa Grelnick, and together we'll explore big questions about where we are as a world and where we're going. Future of XYZ is presented in collaboration with Rhode Island PBS. And welcome to this week's episode of Future of XYZ. Uh, I'm super excited to have uh, one of the world's most influential casting directors in fashion with us uh, talking about the future of supermodels. Ashley Brokaw, thanks for joining us on Future of XYZ today. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Um, well, we're recording this in, in summer because of your crazy travel schedule that works around the fashion weeks. But this episode is releasing at the beginning of Fashion Week in New York, which starts and kicks off, you know, kind of this crazy, uh, you know, months long uh, bacchanalia kind of <laughs> um, a long time. But I mean, we are talking about supermodels, but we're, we're we're really talking about fashion and and your background. I mean, you studied foreign um, foreign uh, foreign affairs and diplomacy at Georgetown, which is kind of hilarious. Um, and then decided that you were going to go into the wild political world of fashion. Which is very political, and you have to be very diplomatic, I will tell you that. <laughs> I think that's absolutely true. And it's interesting to me because you started, you were, you, you're, you're, you're American, but your, your young life was very international, born in Beirut, grew up really in London, and then came to the States. But you started at 17 as an intern with a film film casting agent, which is really the only other place where fashion and uh, fashion and film are the two places where this this world of casting really exists, I think. And she was doing things for Martin Scorsese and, and, and Woody Allen. So you were really highly exposed. And then you went to Seventeen magazine before going to work for like the world famous Bruce Weber, who did Abercrombie and Fitch and things. I mean, you've really been in the world for a very long time. And you started your own agency in 2005. And I mean, we'll get to your background, but I mean, casting for Balenciaga, Louis Vuitton, Prada, Miu Miu, I mean, The Row, I mean, the, the, the list goes on, shows, advertising. I, I, I mean, I'm super curious always as a subject matter expert in really, in this case, supermodels and casting, what is it that casting does in the fashion world and what is its relationship with supermodels? Well, casting is is kind of a new phenomenon. I mean, I would say within the last kind of 20 years, I mean, when I started, there were very few casting directors um, and it's become, you know, it, it, a casting director is really a bridge to the modeling agencies or the scouts and the brands. And what you're doing is you're identifying what the brand wants to accomplish with, with models or with advertising, and then kind of sifting through what, what's out there within the agencies or going on your own and scouting and finding these kinds of you know rare gems um, that are, that are out there in the world and bringing them you know to the brands. So, for some of my clients, I will scout and I find new faces, and so you're discovering uh, you know new beauties, um, girls that look different from everybody else that you think are going to stand out. Kind of understanding the landscape of of what's there at the moment, what's there in the moment, and what could be coming down the pipeline. So, um, so for some of my clients, I will scout and, and find those new faces. And then for others, it's really just, um, you know, you're, you're kind of pulling together, you know, who's out there, who fits the aesthetic, 
maybe pushing a brand a little bit edgier if it needs to go edgier, or maybe it needs to be a bit more commercial. So you're kind of curating for them, um, you know, an, an idea of who their woman is or their man. So it's really important for brands to to understand who their who their person is, who their customer is, um, and I constantly will remind kind of younger designers that I work with, you know, you do a mood board, like who is your, who's the celebrity, the dream celebrity that you would be dressing, right? And who is the dream supermodel that you would dress? And who who is the dream stylist that you would want to work with? And who would you want to shoot your campaigns to kind of build a world so that they really understand and stay focused on um, on who their target is, you know, who their woman is. Because a lot of times you can follow trends and it's it can trip you up. You know, you can say, well, everyone's doing this. I'm going to, you know, we got to do this. I want to in the identity. It's not going to work. I think that identity and the brand, because as, as you know, I mean, I started my career around the same time as you in the exact same, in the exact same world, right? Um, and at that time, it was exactly as you say, it was the model agencies and their scouts globally were the conduit to the brand. And yes, brands each have their own identity, which is, of course, what I loved about fashion was these global behemoth brands. Today, what you're talking about of finding that woman or that man or that look or that audience, or that target really has to do actually with like a season or a, a particular moment. There's so many more touch points and it's no longer a walled garden in the context as it was even in the early 2000s, which was the fashion editors and the and 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 the fashion people in, you know, kind of this moving, um, as I said, bacchanalia, this like circus that is is the fashion weeks. Now it's so many more people. So when you talk about finding those faces, how how do you go about keeping on top of like the amount of of faces that probably need to be found kind of all the time? Yes. I mean, the volume is is extraordinary and the appetite for new is so I mean, it's it's it can actually be quite damaging, I have to say, because um the turnover of models these days is very fast and it's rare to have longevity. So, um, you know, you have lots of brands that want to break the next big thing. The next big thing comes around, in my opinion, every four or five years. You find that that girl that you're like, that's it. That is going to be the face for the next few years that everybody's going to want, that every photographer is going to want to shoot. And I think what's what's difficult for sometimes brands and designers to understand is that it is so rare that you that you find these people and it should be i mean fashion should be rarefied and that's kind of what the excitement is all about is when you you do find that one every 5 year face you know it's it's a moment and you see everybody jump on it and you see you know that girl in a sexy versace show and then in a really clinical you know, row with, you know, swaddled in cashmere. And it's really fun to see that kind of trajectory for, for girls, but it is rare. Um, and I think that the the appetite for new can be quite destructive in fashion. Absolutely. 
Well, you have a reputation. I mean, it's 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 not hyperbole, Ashley, that you are considered one of, if not the best casting agent in the fashion industry today. I mean, I well, it's not it's not me. I mean, you know, it, I'm not close enough to the industry anymore to know that. But when I do the research, I mean, the articles, the quotes, I mean, it's stuff like um, responsible for many of the key faces we see in fashion advertising today. Um, you know, I, it, these kinds of amazing quotes, the person who is most responsible for what we think is beautiful, all the faces that we see today are passed through Ashley. I mean, that's not a small feat in a very insular industry, even today, working with the best people and earning that trust. You are known for finding these faces, um, and looks that designers are seeking, right? A and for risk-taking, I guess is, is really what it's about. I know you said like, yes, sometimes, you know, you go out uh, street street hunting, right? Which, but most of the markets are pretty saturated. How do you find the new look today? And what are, as much as you hate trends and this newness, what is happening, you know, let's say today and looking ahead for those next five years um, that you think is material? I mean, I think... I think what's interesting right now is that a lot of barriers have been broken down. And I think, you know, when I thought about the question, kind of the, the future of supermodels, I mean, supermodel to me really defines an error that's already passed. I don't think it necessarily exists today. I When I think of supermodel, um, you know, it is Cindy, Naomi, uh, Linda, and Christy. You know, it was that was the moment because there was a structure, there was an infrastructure for them to rise up and to become these big personalities. It was kind of the beginning of, you know, paparazzi and caring about what what did Ni what what Naomi looked like coming out of the club and things like that and you know, the Trinity and all those kinds of buzzy words. Um, I don't think that that necessarily exists anymore. But I, what I think is interesting is, you know, you have kind of these influencer models. You know, the, if you were to ask somebody on the street today, I'm sure if you were to go to New York City and say, you know, who, who is a supermodel to you today? You'd probably get, you know, Bella Hadid or Gigi or... Kendall or Emily Ratajkowski or something like that. The family legacy in right. or type, yeah. You know, and and I think their rise is valid. And it's certainly, you know, I've noticed within the last few years when I give, um, you know, when I hand in a casting to clients, I now do have a section for Instagram. And, and the thing is, the metrics have changed. And so brands need that extra thing, um, followers, whatever it is, to make sure that they're getting the engagement or they're getting their money's worth when they hire these girls. So it's not just about a beautiful face and a great personality. There is another, there are other metrics now. Um, so I think supermodel in the in the old way that you and I remember, it was just a different way that you got there. You had to have obviously beauty, but you had to be smart. You had to be driven and you had to have a really a winning personality. And I say this all the time. Personality is everything. Yeah. You know, I've met so many beautiful girls and and guys 
and they just don't have that X factor, that spark, and it doesn't work. And it's, and I think sometimes pain is hard work. I mean, that's the other thing. It's super hard work. You know, I mean, I think the last, the last kind of supermodel that I would say, you know, really has that title is someone like Giselle. And I have never seen anybody work harder than her. I mean, Naomi works hard. Listen, all those girls work hard. But in terms of that generation and and being the last to be able to use that system, Giselle worked her butt off. I mean, professional, always upbeat, on time, you know, gave a lot to photographers, to the camera, gave her everything, you know, gave her all, all the time. And so I think that, again, that system isn't in place anymore. And there's other metrics to decide who becomes a supermodel. So when you're really looking at kind of grit and hard work and talent and all those things, I could give you a list of three girls that I think are supermodels that you would never know. Right. It, it's fascinating. And 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 you mentioned like the Hadid sisters or the Jenner sisters. I mean, there is this celebrity kind of family legacy, Nepo baby kind of conversation, right? That people, because of social media, are already engaged with them and they have the look and hopefully also the work ethic. But there is also obviously a push towards diversity, whether that's you know, not just the size double zero, six foot waif, right? Like body positivity, diversity, ethnic diversity, especially ethnic ambiguity, I think is always fascinating. Gender ambiguity. I mean, there are these kind of look-based trends, it seems to me, um, watching from the outside. But then there's this like call to action almost of the younger generation where they have to have like a cause, you know, or they have to have a business or... Is that also playing into kind of this future of of modeling and super supermodels? Yes. I mean, it's, you know, it's part of the marketing. I mean, when you really think about it, you know, magazines created the supermodel and magazines have killed the supermodel because it's celebrities on the cover. And 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 even now that magazines are being phased out and we're sitting there like this on our phones, absorbing content, um, you better have something to say, you know, you better know how to, how to manipulate TikTok and Instagram and, and those, you know, social media behemoths. Um, and yes, and to a certain extent, causes are really useful. Um, you have to be able to be almost your own spokesperson, right? So, you have to have something to say. Um, listen, there's tons of girls that make a great living doing runway that you never hear of and you never see and they don't do interviews and they don't have Instagram and they still do really well. And you would be shocked at how much money they make and they buy their first apartment at, you know, 19. Um, but I think for the ones that want to have longevity and that that are going to kind of bump up to the super level of, I guess, how we would define it today. Yeah, you have to have something. And it's really interesting because one of my clients, Miu Miu, we, we've shifted in the last few seasons. So it's been about two years now. And we are getting these really interesting kids and, you know, maybe interesting TikToker 
um, or, you know, it's a, it's a lot of um, gender neutral, um, a lot of trans kids, kids doing interesting things. And it's really made a difference, I think, for the show, for the presentation. And it's been really fun. And for me, it's been so fun creatively because I'm not, you know, looking at a set of, you know, measurements in a box that I have to kind of check off to make sure it's going to work for the show. It's much broader. And that I think, you know, it's already starting, but I do think that that's going to be more the future of what of what we see, you know, personalities, differences. I think it's differences that are so interesting and so intriguing and I think really broaden these brands. I mean, they make them more mass, you know, when you're able to speak to more people all over the world, you're you're winning. Well, you you're known for partnering. I mean, whether it's with Mircea Prada at Prada and Miu Miu, whether it's Nicholas Gasquier at Balenciaga, whether it's, you know, the Parenza Schooler guys who I know you're going to see later. I mean, the the casting is an integral part of building the brand identity. The industry has always been a very small insular world, though. And what I'm hearing in this conversation is actually when you work with a DeMar Chalier or a Stephen Mizell or any of the big photographers as well, the editors, it's still actually quite a small insular world, despite the rapidity of the changes, despite that there are probably double as many fashion shows on every fashion week calendars there used to be. Uh, how is that affecting, do you think, kind of the imagery and the fashion industry, which only continues to grow in in our world when it's still the bastion of such a a, a, a tightly held um, group. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny. Fashion is really old fashioned. And it's just so ironic. I mean, even if you think about the structure of a fashion show, that we sit there and watch people walk on a platform wearing clothes that we may or may not want to buy in six months. I mean, Fashion is really, really ripe, I think, for some disruption. And I do think something's going to change. Something has to give because it's such an old model. Um, and to your point, there are so few people. I mean, when I think back, you know, with Giselle and supermodels and, and that kind of that generation, when I was growing up, this was before, you know, Internet and Instagram and all that. And, you know, you had the same experience, you know, there were a few photographers that would make a supermodel. I mean, you had Mizell, you know, Testino to a certain extent, but, you know, Avedon, you had to get in front of those people or you just, you know, your career was never going to get much further. Um, it's still like that to a certain extent, but there, I think there are other avenues where you can, you can hit it. And I think that that's, you know, there are smaller brands that are kind of breaking that mold a bit. Um, and then there are bigger brands that are, you know, doing like I look at a brand like Celine and, you know, Hetty does these videos and they're beautiful videos. Um, and that's kind of getting out of the fashion show structure a bit. Uh, but I do think that, you know, fashion is really ripe for you know, a, a somebody to come in and just be like, this makes no sense. This is really so. Well, it's really fascinating. I find a better way. 
It's fascinating to me. I mean, besides the sustainability impact of fast fashion, which follows all the shows and all that, we're, we're, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole in the few, few minutes we have remaining. But I am fascinated. I mean, a couple of days ago, just be, I mean, after we had scheduled this conversation, um, Apple TV Plus announced a show that's a docu-series that's actually going to come out the week after we, this episode is airing called The Supermodels that looks at those four women who you spoke about, Christy, Naomi, et cetera, Linda, et cetera, who were the last, and Cindy, who were the last great supermodels. And that's kind of the argument is looking at how they disrupted fashion and the paradigm in the 90s. You know, Naomi's great converse comment, like I won't get out of bed for less than I think it was $100,000, which today would probably be 10 million or whatever it is. But I mean, the numbers have changed, the people have changed, but the industry is, to your point, kind of stayed in that line and then been like just fast churning. I mean, when we look at fashion, which loves to embrace the newest and coolest and hypest and whatever, yet is old fashioned, what is the role, I mean, of ARVR in this next iteration of of supermodels of modeling? Um, in your in your opinion, is it a conversation and are we at kind of two polar extremes of like the supermodels of the nineties and like the future where maybe it's like robotics or or, or projected? I mean, I, honestly, I feel like it's going to take somebody brave to make that first, you know, somebody brave and somebody you know, that can do it really well to kind of make that foray into it. Because I feel like there's so much money involved that nobody wants to take that chance. I do think that, you know, VR to a certain extent, I think it's, you know, certainly during COVID when everybody was at home, I, you know, I thought it would have been an interesting idea to send everybody glasses. And, you know, there you're sitting there with your Vuitton VR glasses and you're watching, you know, models walk on the moon or wherever, you know, you, you want to have your reality. Um, but I don't know. I think, I think, you know, people love to go to fashion shows. I mean, it really has become a massive PR event. And you look at the last Vuitton Men show that Pharrell is now the, you know, the designer. I mean, that front row, it's like, how can you compete? You know? Yeah, absolutely. It's still a celebrity studded. It's, it's an honor. It's, and it's, it's a PR event. I think it's less about clothes and it's more about branding. And, you know, I've been saying, it's like you've got your kind of Marvel movies and then you have your movies that win Oscars. And I think fashion right now is at that moment of like, all right, where are we going? You know, what brands are going to go in the Marvel universe and which ones are going to try and get nominated for the Oscar? Um, because it's, you know, it's there. It's impossible to compete. Either you're going to be award winning or you're going to be blockbuster. But yeah, just hard to be both hard to be both and that's i think supermodel sorry that's the supermodel exactly <laughs> um as we wrap up ashley what i have one last question which i always ask people like as we look ahead towards the future 10 to 20 years out what is your greatest hope for the future of casting and and and, and we'll call it supermodels but really about fashion fashion casting and, and and modeling i mean i think you know it's really it's a difficult question because you know, I, I grew up when fashion was was really rarefied and you are seeing it's way more democratic. It's way more everybody sees a part of themselves in it, which is what's amazing about it. Now, I think it's going to trend in that direction. Um, 
it may even get rid of models, you know, that anybody, everybody can participate. And so you don't have this kind of category of, you know, I'm a fashion model, but, you know, everybody's a fashion model because it is kind of anything goes. So I do think it's going to become, um, you know, a wider poll, more, more democratic, um, more diverse, you know, all those good things. And I think, you know, the idea of something being kind of up here and rarefied maybe might go away just in terms of modeling, I would say. Um, I appreciate I appreciate that guess. I think it's a good one. It keeps you you on your toes <laughs> for sure. <laughs> um, well, thank you, Ashley, so much for your time today. It's really a fascinating conversation that has lots and lots of layers beyond what we're able to cover in a quick 20 minutes. Yes. Thank you. For everyone watching and listening, um, make sure that you follow Future of XYZ on Instagram. You can also visit future-of.xyz to learn more about the program, nominate yourself or someone else as a future guest. Um, but if you're listening, make sure you watch on ripbs.org forward slash XYZ, uh, brought to you by our presenting partner, Rhode Island PBS. And uh, listen anywhere you get your favorite podcast and be sure to leave us a five-star review so other people can find us. Ashley Brokaw, Future of Supermodels, thank you and good luck with this season. Thank you.